Welcome to Leader Spotlight. On this podcast, we bring you the stories of leaders, their personal journeys, and we put a spotlight on the inspiring things they are doing in their organizations. Hello, everyone. I'm Annette Klozowski, your host. I'm an executive coach, a speaker, and a peer advisory board leader. And I have my lovely co-host, Addison Price, with me today. Hello. We're back at it again. I know. Another great episode. I know. I know. I'm really excited on today's show. We are talking with Sharina Perry, um, and you are not going to want to miss this. She is the founder and inventor of Utopia Plastic. She has a great story of how that even came about because she's not a scientist. It's not even in her field how she invented this um, plant-based plastic. Um, she is a creator of the Utopia model. So there are a lot of companies that she has and brands she has. She has been working um, kind of a serial entrepreneur, entrepreneur for 25 years. Uh, she started um, building a startup with a, a guy and... Once that exited, um, she kind of just kept on the journey of starting companies. Um, she has so many um, awards. Um, Forbes just named her one of the top uh, women to follow this year. Mm -hmm. She's gotten a lot of national recognition. Um, she has companies uh, using her plastics now. So you'll hear more when we talk with her about how this came about. But um, she's getting ready next week. Um going to a trade show that they have different companies that are um, exhibiting the plastic or their products that were made from her plant-based plastic. So, so cool. She was in her kitchen and made a, a plant-based straw. It's almost like the time that you tried to make rock candy in your kitchen, but you, not at all the same. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up <laughs> because I did. I had my grandson and all she wanted to do was make rock candy. Like how hard could that be? Well, I'm telling you, there's a reason rock candy sells for what it does, a stick, because it's harder than one might. It's no easy feat. And you know what? I'm not going to probably mention that to Sharina when she's yeah, on. You can leave, leave that, that out. <laughs> she made a plant-based straw. I couldn't even make uh, crystallized uh, sugar candy. It's okay. I can't make brownies from a box. So we all have okay. our thing. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. We all have our place. Yeah, exactly. We all have our place. I will say too, I feel like this 2023 season of guests that we have so far, I mean, every single time that we're going through their intros, I'm kind of asking myself, what can't they do? You know, yeah. it's insane. Yeah, the list she, of accolades and everything. I mean, it's just insane. She said, why not me? Why can't I do this? Love it. Um. So, and then, you know, you have to follow her on her social channels, which we'll give in the podcast notes and, and she'll give as well during the interview, but you have to follow her because she gives you a play-by-play. -play. She ends up in rooms and meetings, um, you know, with large companies that are trying to figure out how to use her plastic for their products that we all know that we, you know, we frequent these establishments. So it's kind of fascinating that is really um, cool. and really, really inspiring because she is just really down to earth and really open um, with, you know, where she feels confident, where she, you know, doesn't, how things happen. So mm -hmm. I'm excited about the show today. I'm excited too. And before we get started, make sure that you're following our social media platform, um, Leader Spotlight on Instagram. There is so many great things that happen there, and it's always a good idea to check out and see what the latest is. We are going to kick back up our Get Quoted program, or I should say like, I wanted to say giveaway, but maybe we should make it be a giveaway. But 
our Get Quoted series to be able to have you all be featured on the podcast. So keep a lookout for that. And that's Leader Spotlight on Instagram. Yes, we definitely want, we're going to put out questions or ask how you are doing certain things. Um, have you, let's just talk about um, uh, generative AI. You know, if somebody is yes. using generative AI in your business, we want to quote you or share maybe a little bit of a case study. So, um, you know, Addison will be sending that out, reply, respond. We'll choose, we'll choose people to spotlight on our social and Absolutely. we'll all learn from each other. I'm excited. It's going to be good. It is going to be good. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm really excited. Um, I feel like you're my newfound friend. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> we kind of met that. through met through a group and a, a dinner group, and which I love because we don't cook dinner. But um, but I love that. So I'm excited to have you on because I really want just to share your journey and kind of what it took to get to where you are, and then of course all this you know success that you're seeing and um, uh, I mean, you were just named, this is timely because you were just named by Forbes as one of the women to uh, watch um, this year. Um, I love that. But I mean, it goes on and on. You've been uh, named, uh, uh, nominated for the Oklahoma Woman of the Year, um, International Business Times, um, Top Inventor for 2023. Um, you've got the Vanguard Award for Environmental Excel Excellence. Um one of Oklahoma's most powerful and innovative women. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, but what I love is just your journey and the hard work and determination. So first of all, congratulations. So well-deserved. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Annette. Well, and you're, you're very humble, I know. And you have um, a really interesting mindset um, that really aligns with my values of, of to the blessings and the things that are kind of coming upon you, but take us back to when you were younger, starting your career, like kind of walk us through just a little bit of a journey of, of what led you to where you are now at Utopia. Well, um, my journey for entrepreneurship really was, um, I didn't think, oh, you know what, I'm going to set out to be an entrepreneur. In fact, I knew I had talent but I always kind of saw myself as the person behind the scenes, mm -hmm. making it happen. I think that that's probably a lot of what happens for many of us that um, we see ourselves, we see our gifts, but it's easier to see them through someone else. Like we don't have to bear the weight of that, but how my entrepreneurship journey actually started was because I had worked with an owner. I was the director of operations, built it to a multi-million dollar industry, um, lots of employees. And one day he came in and said he was done and he was no longer going to be in the business. And there were all of these people that worked there. Um, I felt bad at that point, even though it wasn't mine to wear, I felt bad because I saw how loss of jobs all of a sudden unplanned could really affect people's lives. I mean, you had breadwinners, you had people of all age groups working, 
that depended on that and really believed because we were an industry leader, we were setting the path for a long-term future. But the owner, unbeknownst to us, was looking at two to five-year exit strategies. And um, so that was an awakening for me. It was a struggle when I started out, but I, I took what I knew. I paid attention to where the industry was. And within, uh, once I started on my own, I struggled very much so the first year and a half until someone came along that said, hey, um, I watched you do that for the other company. What would that look like to do it for yourself in that way? And they made a small investment in me. We became 50-50 partners. And that year we had a multi-million dollar year. And then a few years later, I um, be entered into the commercial space of, um, I was in the cable and internet space. So I entered in the commercial space. I saw where there was demand developing in the market, but no solution. And so I went into the public private sector. That of course positioned me because now I was understanding the commercial applications. I then went and got my Smart TV head in um, training and became an MDU and free to guest provider. And that moved me into becoming a government contractor. So I spent most of my entrepreneur career in that space. I also, realized I had the ability to provide solutions for my clients. So then I started providing them holistic solutions from everywhere, from their software, to their contract, to their employee training, to their infrastructure, to their strategy, that I could help them scale and grow their business. So that's what I spent most of my time doing. So what, so you were young, you were what, like 26? Kind of when I you- was- yeah, I actually, when I um, started in that career, I was still in college and then, um, or started in that path. We had done a lot of things. Um, when I started my own business, I was right around that area, 25 to 26 years old. Wow, that's amazing. So what what were some of those struggles? Because, um, you know, I mean, it's one thing when you're playing a role in a company and you executing, but then when you step in, you know, as the entrepreneur, or the owner, there's so many other disciplines that come into play. So what were some of those initial just uh, fears or struggles you had? The biggest thing for me now, you have to remember, I was the director of operations. So I didn't come into um, the company that I was working for, I didn't come into an existing infrastructure. I built it. So I built um, and worked alongside the owner to take this idea and turn it into a national, um, becoming a national leader. And from there, that really meant a lot of understanding. I spent a lot of time there. I say this was my biggest woe was I may leave my home at six in the morning and arrive home at two in the morning, you know, just all day they're dedicated to building it and making sure and not, I, if I tell myself um, now, if I had to be able to look back, 
I didn't have my priorities straight. I thought that spending all of that time doing that was really building for a future for my family. But, and I think that's one of the pitfalls entrepreneurs make is always giving more to this journey of business. And then they are out there in the community and they say they're doing it for their families. So I, it also taught me to build a system that made sense. And from there, I really learned that I had to put my spirit first, meaning that I needed to be in a space where I showed up. So my spirit and my physical health, that had to be a primary. Then I put my family first, those close to me that I love and then business, and then community, understanding that if my spirit wasn't fed, I couldn't give the people that I love the most. And if I was robbing that, I couldn't give my business. I would always have this conflict. Mm -hmm. And to show up for community, you need resources. So I needed to be able to do that. And that, learning that lesson has helped me now in everything. It's helped me to say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things. And even um, being honest with people saying, I can't when I know that I have um, listened to myself because people need us to be healthy and whole. Um, and entrepreneurs are often big givers. And so that's, that's a part of it. Yeah, that, that's a huge lesson because um, I think we're also pulled in the um, opportunity cost. You know, if we don't burn out and accomplish everything in, in a short runway, it won't be there. You know, like we, so I think we do um, burn it both in and sacrifice a lot. And, and then, you know, to some people, they're right along with you. And then, you know, the whole company goes away. Um, like kind of your first, um, you know, you, you forget what you're doing things for. It doesn't always exactly. equal that outcome. Yeah. So, so walk, to, walk us through, um, so you've had successful companies and, um, you know, you're, you're really finding, you know, different um, verticals and industries. You're doing government contracting. So walk us through kind of what led you into the Utopia Plastic and kind of the things you're doing now. Kind of tell that story. First, I didn't set out to make an alternative to plastics. That wasn't in any way my vision. What was always in me was this idea of utopia. And that came from when I was a young girl. Um, spirit really mattered to me, spiritual things. And I, um, thankfully, I had parents who had a deep love and appreciation for God and also in the importance of building a relationship with him. So as a young girl, I saw that. But I didn't, as you're learning about God when you're young, I didn't understand disparity. I didn't understand the things we I see on the news. I didn't understand the things we read about in history books. Just didn't make sense. So for me, I always kind of reflected on what if we did it God's way? So I developed as a young person, this world I called utopia. 
that was really people would work together, we solve problems. And so I think it really created in this, this thing and this real belief that everything could be fixed. Everything could be addressed if we just thought about it different. And I remember because of me feeling like I had a role to somewhere play as a young person, I told my parents I would change the world by the time I was 50. I mean, I'm sure that was, because I was young, there's no way I knew what that was then. And even through my career in the cable and internet space, I knew I was good at what I was doing, but I didn't feel like it was a lot of purpose. It was creating opportunity for a lot of people and changing people's lives, but I just didn't. I never understood when people say they were walking in their purpose. I didn't come remotely to understand that. And I thought, man, something must be missing in me because that does not exist. So it was um, through my life's journey in 2018, my nephew was diagnosed with neurofibromatosis too. And that's an incurable growth of tumors. And they, and when he was in surgery, uh, my sister, we were there, she, she was crying and she said, Sharina, you have to do something. Now for me, I understood that. That meant try to figure something out. And that also spoke to the fact that how my, the people around me saw me. And I think a lot of it was because of what I had, um, what I had proven and my track record in overcoming obstacles and challenges. But in my sister's most challenging time for one of the people she loved the most and me, she called on me to do something. So I began to research what shrunk tumors and it took me to studying crops. Um, I didn't, I've always been kind of challenged with, I don't take a lot of medicines, but I, I do understand that a lot of our medicines are made from crops and the extraction of molecules from it. So studying crops wasn't, the idea that it might shrink tumors wasn't foreign to me because I also believe that God gave us everything on this earth to help us in our lives. Mm -hmm. So um, that resulted in me um, really diving in. I studied a lot of white papers on crops and then I developed a health and wellness line of products. And I was watching, um, and it's Utopia Health and Wellness. And I was watching people have real results. So I got to thinking, is it possible that there may be one day this center where people could come in and get real treatments, plant-based, and they would be able to bring in their charts and that it wasn't just masking anymore the issues that they had, but it was actually really providing them a benefit. So the study of crops also allowed me to understand that there had been studies of them as an alternative to petroleum, cotton, and wood. People were having good results with my health and wellness product, but I couldn't make any claims. I couldn't really talk about it other than sharing testimonials of people. And that's a lot due to FDA guidelines and restrictions on supplements. 
So I thought, well, you know, I need my bank account isn't set up to get FDA approval on this. And um, so, but I had, I had learned a lot. And one of the things I'd read was and had gone through and was very knowledgeable about was the bans that were happening on plastics, this alternatives to material. So Starbucks had announced that they were doing away with single use plastics. So now we're seeing it catch the coast of the US. These bans were occurring in other countries, but now we're looking at Florida issuing bans, California issuing bans, and this New York Times article that Starbucks is doing away with single use plastics. So that kind of sat over there until one day I was at McNeely's and I had a paper straw. And within minutes, it broke down in my drink. And it was a really insignificant moment, Annette. But what that moment did was create this, all these things running in my head. It brought together this vision of, hey, real solutions by using the land. And I could address more than health and wellness. I could really address the core things that make communities thrive. Education, economic development, um, family and health and wellness, that I could possibly do that. But how do I do it? And so it was all these questions. And I simply said that day with one of the partners I was with, I'm gonna make an alternative to a straw in my kitchen using the crops. And that's what I did. I know. And there's a video out on social that shows the, the day that you made a plant-based straw. Um, and it was, that's really cool. That's really cool. Because a lot of people, I think myself included, we think things like we think, oh, there, you know, we, somebody needs to do this. or this is something could do. There's very few people that take that step or have the courage to even take that step to, to kind of walk um, that path, that journey. Um, and now here you are, um, you, so talk a little bit of it now about, so you did that, you made the I straw, which we're all very grateful because the, the paper straws are, they're not a straw, <laughs> they're an absorbent material. So now talk about what's going on, um, with Utopia Plastic. And I mean, you've bought a processing facility, um, you're operating in, you know, multiple States you've got, so kind of give us now what, what that led to that day when you were having that drink, the straw. <laughs> <laughs> so that day, there was a lot. Um, and I think what I uncovered the most making the straw in my kitchen is that it really was something better. And um, Annette, I had the same thoughts you said. I stood in my kitchen once I had done it and I thought, now what? And I prayed and I, I sat at my table all night and I'm and my thought was how many times people have an idea and they don't do anything about it how many times I have had an idea and I didn't do anything about it often it's fear it's the unknown is our biggest fear and then um, what does that look like financially but I think the biggest thing that we all is all think sometimes is it's too big for me. Mm -hmm. And then if we flip that to thinking, 
why not me? Like every great thing that we see, somebody decided to do something. And that something that they did changed the trajectory of what would happen. So I set on the path and I had to be bold in what I did. And it wasn't all, don't ever think it had to be perfect because it did not. Um, to get there, you just have to sometimes prove the concept. And sometimes it looks like a homemade kit from Hobby Lobby. <laughs> and uh, a printer and going to Kinko's or uh, now FedEx office, or that's that's what it was for me. But there was a lot of motivation in a lot of research and I learned that why it hadn't been done before in this way is because of the many obstacles people ran into. And I'm looking at people who had done decades of research, but it never made it into market. And then I knew, okay, research alone isn't going to get it. And there would have to be a significant amount of education. So I know that that vision led to, um, education, experience came together and called for my purpose. In pursuit of me making a straw, I learned that I had to have a stable material in order to produce a straw. Well, in the process of doing that, getting a stable material, it uncovered that we could use it well beyond a straw and that I could actually use this material in the production of everything that was traditionally made with plastics. So that was huge. But the biggest aha moment was when I had when I had uncovered how I could actually use plant material in making a blown film. Typically plant material breaks apart in certain applications. It can't be blown because of um, the plant fibers that are in it. So there was a lot that I overcame. So today I have a commercial grade plant-based material that can be used in industrial applications of, for plastics without modifying the equipment. So the sky's wow. the limit for me. No long, I mean, we are not a single use plastic producer. We're a pelletized resin producer. And um, we just simply do a couple of things. We help manufacturers and their clients meet their sustainable goals, but we also help people find and build opportunity in the space. That now is the best time to be able to look at innovation and opportunity and see where you can provide a solution. And I rejoice in seeing it. Um, it's propelled me to become a leader in this space globally. Um, as you mentioned before, the recognition. Nope, I didn't have a degree in chemistry. Don't have a degree in engineering. But what I did do was do the work and develop a business that gave me the credentials to be considered an expert in the space. And it started when your sister in probably one of the darkest times of her life just said, you have to do something like it's, it's interesting where sometimes the seeds planted and when you start moving and because you, you, you weren't set out to do this, it's, 
because of that journey that you listened to and you went to it, the doors kept opening or you would learn something that that's what I love about just a leader's journey, because it's not, it's just, it's never that clear cut path of like, well, I'm going to create X product. It's a journey, you know, and you're learning and, um, you know, and I'm sure, like you said, you know, my bank account wasn't set up for <laughs> certain things. And, you know, there are certain uh, limitations and obstacles. Um, and, and you know, let, let's just talk about one of them. I mean, you're like blazing a new path just kind of as a female leader in sustainability and innovation. I mean, that that's that's a whole different challenge uh, just from what you're doing day to day. So t- talk about that. What are some of the challenges um, that that's brought you or maybe excitement that that's brought you? You know, um, I, ne- I don't look the part, but my journey, as you mentioned, prepared me for it. Spent most of my career in the cable and internet space, which happens to be a white male dominated industry. At one point, I was told by a VP of one of the companies that I um, did product installations for that I was the antithesis of what a retailer looked like. And I thought, okay, but I am. Okay, that's okay. Because what's happening is you see me. And hopefully it's people like me that help break the mold, the barrier and stereotypes. I believe that representation matters. People have to be able to sometimes see someone in order for them to be able to see themselves. For me, thankfully, the gifts that were planted in me were driven not by whether I saw someone else, but just challenging myself to my own greatness and not allowing those barriers. Now, recently I had the opportunity to work on some projects and what I saw was how it's viewed for rating some of those projects. Oftentimes it asked the question, what's the technical background of the person doing it? What's their expertise? What capital do they have? Um, What supporting? Those things become huge drivers for decisions that are made on local, um, state, and federal levels between multiple agencies. I didn't fit any of those molds in Utopia Plastics. I I didn't have the technical background, but I knew how to bring the right people together to help me do it. It it starts with the vision. So I hope that it's by people seeing my story that one, if you're in a position that you look at more of what the opportunity is and what the person is educating you about, then you so much rely on the credentials. There are many, uh, many products, many things out there that never make it into the commercial market because that element of this is the technical part does not meet the commercial and then to go on to be industrial, they don't understand that. For me, I had to do several things. I had to one, be willing to learn. I had to listen. 
And when I went to somebody to help me and I had to hear what they said they were missing. So oftentimes what I would do is go find what they were missing, bring it back to them so that they could help me. And it was also my conviction to not give up that made experts want to help me. And as a result, they gave me nicknames, they um, began to see it. And those, those individuals have become real champions for me. They're also my heroes. They're my God sense. And those people had their own fair of challenges. Um, it taught me to look at the industry overall, look at how we do business overall, and perhaps be a leader in how the narrative is changed. Sustainability is really about the benefit that we add to our environment, to our society, and also our economy. And what I wanna do with Utopia Plastics and in this education is not only tell people, but show people and demonstrate it by who I am, um, the people that we bring along and partner with, and that we can actually prove that we are really better together. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So what's what are we going to see from uto your plastic, your utopia plastics? Well, could you know, be cool the, things coming out. <laughs> you know, for building this model, there was some lessons we learned, and what we did was in 2001, we we launched in a market in 2020, and we hit the ground running. But what we were doing was creating more frustration for our partners, for our manufacturers, because there was an element that was missing. So we took a step back in early 2021. And we started doing it in late 2020 and we looked at our model and we looked at more of what was happening for us. We had this direction we were going, but what was the market telling us? What were the clients that were reaching out telling us? So we had uh, brought our team together and we said, we're gonna go into market the way the market is demanding for us to come. And from that, it was also, we wouldn't focus on this spot buy because spot buys wouldn't build long-term relationships. We're really about being a solution, which spoke to what Utopia was and building relationships. We had to also be prepared for extensive onboarding processes, meaning going from learning about who we are to trialing our equipment, I mean, our materials in the equipment to the product and marketing development to manufacturers displaying to their clients what they look like, producing their products with it. And that process is often no less than 18 months. So we had to be willing to walk out the process. Last year in um, one of the most um, surreal times for me was standing on the floor of the Inspired Home Show in Chicago. And one of the manufacturers, Iris, had rolled out to their clients and introduced these containers made with Utopia Plastics. Since then, 
their clients loved the product, but their clients wanted more. So the best deal, and we have just enjoyed working with them as a partner. So next little, actually next week, we leave to go to the Inspired Home Show. And this idea from my kitchen, one of the largest global manufacturers rolls out an entire suite and line of products made with Utopia Plastics. There's also um, some other pretty big announcements that are coming soon, and we'll continue to announce those as they come, as clients have now begun rolling out their products in a bigger way, and we'll share that. But the next couple of months are busy. We encourage you guys to follow me. Like you said, I was gonna the video say. in my kitchen. I mean, I have yeah. shared this journey <laughs> Um, I didn't know that that's what that was when I made that video, but from my dishwasher <laughs> test of products to drying material in my oven, I have just really people have walked the journey out and it's been, um, sometimes it's just great to have support that people yeah. say, keep going because what I'm watching it do is a lot of people are tapping into their gifts and believing it's possible. So um, it is so much bigger than a product. So I'm really enjoying watching it happen. All right. So tell people how to follow you on social because you do, you make announcements, you talk about meetings you're sitting in, and you look around going, how am I in this meeting with these people? And it's great. So just tell people how to follow you. Oh, yeah, definitely. You can follow me um, on Facebook. I'm Sharina Perry. We also have companies within our Utopia model that are um, have social platforms. Pretty much the same content is shared on those, but it's just for different audiences. On LinkedIn, I'm as Sharina Perry, um, but also we have Utopia Plastics. And then on um, Instagram, Sharina Perry, um, on uh, Twitter, Perry Sharina. I'm not as good on Instagram or um, Twitter, but I'm going to work on that. And I'm not sure if I can, if I can capture that TikTok, but I think it's somewhere <laughs> that I need to do something eventually. But I think we're going to probably, I think I'll build my TikTok around products and people. Um, also, we have a great team of people a great team of people, phenomenal people. So when you shout out me, also shout out my team because I couldn't be and be able to do what I do without them. And I have a team of people from across the country. I have people that show up, that hear me, that bring experts to me all the time. And you're right. Sometimes I'm like, how in the world did I get in this room? But Clearly the room was prepared for me and I'm grateful and um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much. Um, it's going to be fun to watch your journey and um, we might have to do this again next year because uh, you're going to be, you're going to be over the summit and on to something else I'm feeling. <laughs> oh yeah, that'll be great. Oh yeah. And I'll, so I'll be in Belgium as a keynote for the oh. International Biopolymer and Polymer Summit. I think I'm the only one without doctor in front of my name, but that's, 
that's right. Okay. That makes it even better. But I have been offered to give doc honorary doctorate. So one day maybe I'll, yeah. I'll take somebody up on their offer to do that. <laughs> Well, that's great. Well, you are inspiring um, on so many levels. I mean, what you're doing um, in your company is inspiring. But for me, somebody that goes back to being grounded and connecting to what matters most, and that's your spirituality, your family, the people around you, the people that work for you, like that to me um, is very inspiring because it's, um, you know, you're not, you're, you're growing. It's like the, the saying that, you know, um, the tide rises all boats. I mean, you are that person, you know, that kind of lives that out. So that's inspiring that, um, you know, you set boundaries, you say no, um, and you're successful. You know, that was one of the hardest things for me because, I really care about the people that I love and the, my friends and the people that I meet. And I remember there was kind of a moment in my alignment that I had to say no. And from there, what I learned that when I said no, people were watching to determine what my answer would be. And that was the most liberating. Oftentimes we're afraid to say no because we feel like we'll lose. But the reality is when we operate from a good space, saying no sometimes is healthy for us and for the people that we are around. And if it's really for you, that no is going to still create the space for continued yeses. And if we feel like we're burnout, it's probably because we don't say no enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really key. And if you don't say no, you can't say yes. You know, That's you don't exactly have the, it. the margin to say yes to the right things. And, um, and if you're, if you as the leader are not at your best or burn out, like you, you're not, you know, you're not going to be helpful to the team either. So, so yes. I just love that. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and just sharing your story. Um, there's so much to read about you and I know people are going to go follow you. So it'll be fun to, to just share the journey with you. Oh, thank you very much. That's it. I have some people that now say, have a great day, have a utopia kind of day, or they'll say, join us on the journey. And that's what it is. Join us on the journey. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you. Alrighty. Thank you so much, Annette. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Leader Spotlight. The Leader Spotlight podcast and blog is dedicated to continual learning and thought partnerships that help us all grow as leaders. So if you would like to be featured on our podcast, please email addison at fpov.com. You can also visit our blog, medium.com slash leader spotlight for more great content.